Hear now the word of the Lord. Stay open, Bible. When he, Jesus, came near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he set two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter, you will find there a cult that has never been ridden. Untie it. Steal it is what Jesus says. Steal the cult and bring it to me. He doesn't say that. I'm adding. That's JJ's version. If anyone asks you, what are you why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent departed and found it as, they told, as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said to him, the Lord needs it. And then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. As he rode along, the people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, the highest. Excuse me. Peace in heaven and the glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the, God, in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he said to them, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And as he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you had, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that made for peace, and now they are hidden from your eyes. But indeed, the days will come when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave within you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there were no Palm Sundays, no palm branches on Palm Sunday. In Luke's gospel, he does not tell us that they had palm branches. I know today is, is Palm Sunday, and year after year we, we see palms and we prepare for palms, and Jesus comes into town with palms and shouts and hosannas, and the, the people were, were preparing for his arrival by cutting down branches and laying them at the disciples' feet. They were rolling out the green carpet in Matthew's gospel, in Mark's gospel, in Luke's gospel, in John's gospel, but not in Luke. Luke leaves out this one detail that gives today its name. Verse 36, as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the ground. Now, I'll grant you, the idea is the same. The people in their desire to, to exalt Jesus and to hallow his holiness, they, they made a carpet, they laid out their cloaks so that the, the, the donkey's hoofs would not touch the ground. They were in this moment of jubilant celebration. They were losing their minds with excitement. Think, think the Beatles coming to, down, to town in 1964. 
Some of you remember that day, the, the girls who would lose their minds and fall upon the ground, the boys who would shriek in excitement. The Beatles were coming to town, only this was Jesus. And they spread their cloaks upon the road as an act of worship and celebration. But today is not Coat Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. And it just doesn't feel right for Luke not to have that detail. He is the one who is supposed to have an orderly account, who, who researched and, and did all of his fact-finding. He is the one who's supposed to have the details right, and he leaves out the palm branches. And it makes me wonder, if we miss that in Luke's gospel, what else could we be missing of course, my friends, we stand at the long line of people who have followed after the way, who have seen the Christ and missed something. A whole multitude of disciples worshipped and welcomed. The Pharisees were around and they were worrying and witnessing. And the city was there in the distance watching and waiting. And no one was recognizing who this God is that rides into town. They misunderstood God's actions. They misunderstood God's acceptance. And above all else, they missed God's arrival. And I wonder, my friends, do we ever miss God's actions? The echoes of Hosanna still hung in the air. The coats were still covering the ground. The, the entrance of Jerusalem that morning looked so familiar to, to anyone who had seen any of the other victorious triumphal entries. A grand military leader would often ride into town in the very same way that Jesus does. The crowds had seen this pattern, this parade, year after year, step after step. This was not the first triumphal into Jerusalem, though Jerusalem itself may have been a strange place for it. Rome, in its military pageantry, would often have a, a triumphal injury, entry for a, a Roman leader who had went out and conquered the enemy. They would march in with a long line of professionals. Processionals. Here is the Messiah on his way, and you can almost see the overlap of those stories. The military leader riding in after a great triumph, the Messiah riding into Jerusalem about to exercise, to overthrow the regime that they had been living under. He was riding upon a young donkey, not upon the military chariots of Rome. The people around him were not soldiers, but misfit disciples. And then the, the oddest thing happened. Normally when a, when a ruler would, would come into town, they would go straight into the temple to Jupiter or Saturn or whatever was their god of choice and they would offer sacrifices there. Jesus, though, he goes into the temple, but he does not offer sacrifices. Instead, he overturns tables and he chases out money changers. The Roman tribute, 
this triumphal entry into the great city was the highest honor that could be granted by the emperor to the generals. Usually it was led the way by government officials, followed by sacrificial animals, followed by the champion in a chariot, usually wearing a, a regal purple uh, robe. The spoils of war would follow with all of the captives in chains. The, this processional in Rome was given to those who were victorious, who had won the battle, usually had slain 5,000 people at least. It included festivals and dancing, singing, and, and flower petals scattered upon the ground. The path for the processional was cleared and prepared by officials and soldiers. The triumph of war was beat as the drums marched. But Jesus does not march into Rome. He, he finds his way into this little backwoods city called Jerusalem. Jesus' entry is not as a victory of war of one who had killed thousands. Rather, he marches into town preparing for his own death. This would be his moment of victory. Not behind him in the past, but in front of him in the future. And with his version of this triumphal entry, Jesus seems to be illustrating the upside down, the backwards forward way that his kingdom would work. Not with victory and celebration, not with victory and violence, but through humility and suffering. It was, after all, in Jerusalem, the preparation for the Passover. Not a victory in war, but a victory for God. A celebration remembering that God had delivered His people long ago, not by the might of their hand or the breath of the sword, but by His delivering hand. By His miraculous ways that reached into the oppressive might of Egypt and broke their power and brought forth the slaves. Instead of a chariot and war horse, Jesus rides upon a donkey. A very image of humility. Donkeys were not displays of wealth. They were pack animals used for utilitarian purposes. They were symbols of peace. And if we, as followers of Christ, miss that change in action, from victory to death, from mastery to to surrender. We are just like those people in Jerusalem over whom Jesus weeps. Verse 42, if you, even you, had only seen, recognized on this day the things that made for peace, but they are hidden from your eyes. The actions of God that we so often miss are not the ones that we are appealed to. The things that make for God's peace are not the closed fist of retribution. They are not the loaded weapons of protection and self-defense. They are not the preemptive strike and superior firepower. God's peace was made with us and founded upon His humble servant, His only Son, who offered up the perfect holy life for His enemies. 
but often out of fear and that quest for security, we miss the action that Jesus does. Bringing peace through suffering and victory through surrender and life through death. This morning, are you missing the actions of God? But maybe it's not the actions of God. Maybe it is this radical and strange acceptance of God. You know, the Pharisees just come up over and over again in the disciples, in the, in the Gospels. It doesn't seem like you can turn a page without seeing them, without hearing them, interjecting themselves into the conversation. I mean, have you ever noticed how they always seem to be there? You can barely go over a story without tripping over them. And here's what, what we may forget about the Pharisees. In the Gospels, they are portrayed as the enemies and the, the counters, or the counter, the, but they were not the enemies. They weren't the outsiders. They weren't spies sent in by another team. The Pharisees were a part of the crowd who was following Jesus. The Pharisees were a part of the group who had witnessed the miracles, who had heard of the teachings. The Pharisees were the ones who had left homes. And I can almost imagine that amongst the coats scattered upon the ground, there was one or two of their cloaks as well. And yet they missed it. In this exuberant expression of God's power, the crowd begins to sing, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. And the Pharisees, they go to Jesus and they say, you got to stop that. Those people can't sing that song. The phrase, the, this praise, didn't fit into what they felt was appropriate. There were walls in their worship, certified and pre-approved. And let me just be honest with you, friends, there were good reasons for those walls. You see, inside Jerusalem, right in downtown area, there was a Roman garrison stationed there with their Roman legions and Roman swords and Roman shields with no other purpose than making sure the Caesar in Rome was not challenged. How long do you think it would take for the echoes of that praise to come down the, the hill of the Mountain Olives and make its way back up through the Kidron Valley into the, uh, Jerusalem's heart? How long do you think it would take for those Roman soldiers to muster their battalions and head out to squash this one who was riding in declaring a new king was coming? How long do you think this most powerful military force in the world had ever known would step in to squash those who claimed that peace was not the Pax Romana, was not the peace of Rome, but it was something else? The Pharisees, they, they put their hands up to stop Jesus because they could not accept His coming in this way. But Jesus accepts it. 
Jesus opens up the floodgates and welcomes this praise. In fact, Jesus says that this praise was necessary. It was flowing along with the grain of the universe. And far from being inappropriate or out of bounds, if the crowds had not sung to him, the very rocks on their feet would have cried out. Just imagine the the asphalt under your shoes breaking open and letting forth the song of Christ if you did not do it. Not that this wasn't a dangerous act. Not that it wasn't a powerful statement against Rome. It's just that the forces of evil and the will of man has always stood against the power and worship of God. In just a few short days after the triumphal entry, as Jesus will make His way across Jerusalem in the night, we will see the very shift. And those same people who cried out, Hosanna, will call out, crucify Him. And humanity will once again turn against its God. We will reject the God who has accepted our praise. And still, Christ rides into the city, fully accepting what is due to Him. But maybe this morning, we're not the the crowds, and we're not the Pharisees. Maybe this morning, we are the city. The city that missed God's arrival. I was in a conversation this week and someone was sharing that, that they were at a, a difficult place and their faith was, was strained and, and stretched. And they were having a hard time seeing God's love and, and experiencing God's mercy. And then in the more, midst of the conversation, we, we came to the realization that you know God doesn't change. That's, that's a statement we, we believe. It says so in Scripture, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. God is always moving towards us, no matter where we are in this movement of love. But we experience the movement of God's love in very different ways. You remember uh, back a few years ago, there was the dress some of you will remember this. It was an internet thing. It caused families to break up and people got really mad. There was a dress on the internet that was either purple or gold, depending on what you saw. Show of hands, am I just speaking into the air? Some, some of you remember the dress. Okay, a few of you don't. There was a, there's a thing called the internet, and occasionally the internet is not a force for good in the world. Sometimes it is a force for division. So now we're all together. So there was a picture of a dress and people didn't know what to make of it. And there were huge debates about it. The dress was the same. It was ones and zeros there on the interwebs. But people's perceptions, people's experience of the dress shifted according to how they saw the world, the lighting that they were in, their circumstances. That is us. And that is the same for our God. For God always and continually moves towards us in love and reception and acceptance. But our perception 
our reality, our lighting that shades our life can shift and change. And sometimes, beloved, we can experience the very love of God as conviction. When our lives doesn't align with the grain of the universe, when you move across against the flow of God's holiness, you may experience these moments of tension. When you are weighed down by sin and lostness, and brokenness. You may experience that love and that life calling you to change. But it is always love. God's loving invitation is to be transformed, to be made new, to be made whole. God's loving action is to come into your life no matter where you are, no matter how far you've roamed, and bring you home, and bring you life. God's loving acceptance, no matter who you are or where you've been, is always the same. Sometimes we experience that love as, as frustration. For God is out there calling us onward, and we who have been saved and transformed are sometimes easier to stay in the shallows of faith. Sometimes we experience that love as the burning fire of burden. To share and to witness. To be there and present with the moments of suffering. But God's arrival always comes. And sometimes we miss it. Those first hearers missed Jesus' action and His acceptance. And ultimately, they missed His arrival. For the coming of this Messiah looked different than what they were expecting. And aren't we glad? Because Christ came for so much more than what people thought they wanted. And He's coming to do so much more than what they wanted to expect. He has come to free us from the bondage of sin, from the cycles of exclusion, from the oppressive systems of injustice. He has come to give us eyes to see the ways that the kingdom of God is already at work in the world. He has come with the partnership of the Holy Spirit to equip and empower us to see and do justice to love peace, to work for love, to be agents of grace, to speak truth, and to see the beauty in the world around us even now as we wait for that long time of fulfillment to come. We don't get a military leader today. We don't get one who fits in the sides of the boxes of what is acceptable. We don't get the one who comes and arrives in the way we would like we get something so much more. For we are getting Christ the King, the Messiah, the One who comes to save. Today, Christ has arrived. And He comes to us with love and acceptance and grace and mercy and transformation. 
And that love will carry him this week all the way to the cross where he will stretch out his arms in embrace and acceptance in suffering holy love for all the world. Today, let us not miss the God who arrives. Will you join me as we pray together? O oh Lord, we begin this day by singing your hosannas, by joining our voices with countless others before us who have heralded your coming and triumphant appearing. But we go, O oh Lord, mindful of where that entrance takes you. May we, O oh God, with grace, may we, O oh God, with holiness, experience and see the burden that awaits you. And may we wait to see your glory, even the glory of the cross. For it is in the name of our coming suffering Lord that we pray. I would invite you to join me standing this morning, if you are able, as we worship the Lord together.